Hi, this is Bernie J of Bernie's Journeys, Seeing America First. A passenger railroad car being restored, or more correctly being created in Colorado Springs, doesn't seem to have stopped the newspaper press's importance. But when you get the rest of the story, apologies to Paul Harvey, you may be glad that you listened for a while. While wandering around the Pikes Peak Historical Street Railway Foundation on Steel Drive, Colorado Springs, you'll find a large fabric Quonset hut in the back occupied by the friends of the Coombers and Toltec Narrow Gauge Restoration. There are many railroad enthusiasts around the country, but few work in the one-to-one scale, meaning full-size stuff, as these folks do. They support the mission of the Friends of the Coombers and Toltec Scenic Railway, C&TS, and is a nonprofit organization that shares stewardship with the C&TS Railroad Commission of a unique railroad property of important historic significance and remarkable scenic beauty. The east end of the CNTS is in Antonito, Colorado, and the west end is 64 rail miles away in Chama, New Mexico. And while Antonito, Colorado is a good couple of hours ride, about 200 miles southwest of Colorado Springs, residents of Colorado Springs have a very unique reason to make the trip. It's a substantial train fare discount because Colorado Springs has made a long-term lease loan agreement of its 1883 steam engine number 168 to the C and TS, but that's another story I'll have to do. The passenger car being brought back to life from a farmer's field is a Pullman sleeper. The style was known as a tourist or immigrant car, having rattan or wooden seats that converted to beds by night. And oh, by the way, you needed to supply your own bedding, but at least you knew that the bugs in the blankets were yours. So what's the big deal? George Mortimer Pullman, 1831 to 1897, was a Chicago industrialist that built railroad sleeping cars. Well, the fun fact is that some of his startup money was made in Colorado during the gold rush years, where in Arapahoe Gulch, at his 1,600-acre Cold Springs Ranch, he figured that it was more profitable to sell goods and services to miners than to dig for gold himself. Through the great detective work of the Friends Of, they learned that the bones of the Pullman Sleeper was originally bought by the railroad that owned the current C&TS tracks. This car will be going home after its restoration. The work is coming along nicely. It's looking like a rail car again, and while I was told that the car will be restored to its former good looks, safety was not forgotten. It will be solid for the 21st century ride. This wooden car now has steel strengthening required by today's federal railroad regulations. Beauty and strength, what a combination. Come to Colorado Springs, visit the Pikes Peak Historical Street Railway Foundation, talk with the friends of the C&TS, and then head out for a heritage train ride where you shouldn't need to be bringing your own bedroll today. Now let's listen in on a workshop walkabout I did with John Engs, who is the Colorado Springs worksite leader for the Friends of the Coombers and Toltec Scenic Railroad. Fun to be here today, and would you please uh, introduce yourself and what is going on here? Okay. I'm John Engs with the Friends of the Coombers and Toltec. And we are working on the restoration of a sleeper car, Pullman sleeper, uh, dated in 1889. Now, the reason that I had um, tracked you guys down 
is that the um, narrow gauge convention that was held here fairly recently said it was going to have a, uh, a visitation down here. So I didn't even know that you guys existed because we're speaking here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Now, the railroad that you are friends of is a good four to five hours west and south of us Yes, to be able to do that. Now, the thing that I find interesting about being here in Colorado Springs is that if I was a real train aficionado and I flew into Denver, I'd probably, you know, get out the GPS and say, okay, and Cumbries and Toltec. Cumbries and Toltec right. and go down there. But I would be missing all of this activity that happens here on the front range. That's correct. Would you give me a little bit of background? What what got you guys started here on the front range in Colorado Springs? Okay. Originally, in 1996, uh, we experienced the fact that we wanted something to do that would be a year-long project. Okay. So, as a result of that, uh, we worked on associating a, or finding a location. And our original location was at the Mining Museum which is on the north end of the academy. Okay. And that we held that position there until approximately 99 when we moved to Black Forest. Mm-hmm. And the site at Black Forest was our restoration facility for OB. OB is a pile driver, a steam-operated pile driver, which is now on the railroad and fully operational for demonstration purposes. Okay, and then from there, uh, when we completed that project, we moved here to the Trolley Museum, where we have one of the old stalls of the Rock Island, and uh, we are uh, using it as a basis to work on the 470, which is the Pullman Sleeper. Okay, now the organization uh, that you are representing, it's called the Friends of? Yes, Friends of... Humbers and Toltec Scenic Railroad. And what's the general background, you know, friends of? Just railroad folks that are that enjoy uh, the subject? Yes, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, there are a lot of people from different walks of life that uh, want to find something to do uh, in their earlier or later ages. Okay. As a result of that, they become uh, members of the Friends and work throughout the summer on various projects that occur on the railroad. And those could be uh, in Chama or or in Antonito. Okay. Now, it's my understanding that you've got quite a few friends. Yes. uh, (laughs) We're about 2,500 strong presently. And uh, what has draw here on the front range in Colorado Springs is simply a central point where people who are members can come here and work on 470 as a means of doing things during the winter months when the railroad is not operational. And uh, so folks that um, invest uh, their time and energy here as a, as a friend, so do they get any type of benefits uh, when the, the train is running? They certainly do. There are discounts for all Friends members if you want to be a member of the organization. 
and also a special discount for those people who work on work sessions on the railroad, mm -hmm. as well as the opportunity for team leaders on the railroad to have passes on the railroad. Terrific. Now, if I remember looking at, at, at the website recently, did you just have some like annual meeting or something or, or, or get uh, together? We did. We did. Uh, three times a year, we have uh, special organizational meetings. And one is in the springtime. Uh, one is in the center or what we call the membership meeting is in June. And the following is the fall get-togethers. And generally speaking, the spring is held in the state of New Mexico, and the fall is held in Colorado. Okay. So our recent one was in Canyon City on the Royal Gorge route. And um, how many folks had turned out for that one? We had about 120 that came to that meeting. Uh, it's also associated with a dinner, and then we also have uh, staff meetings for purposes of project planning. So when people, um, if so, when people go onto the website, and so, what website would they would they start with to try to drill down to you guys? Well, or, or do you have your own website? Yes, we have our own website. Your own website, right. okay. Um, and what's that called? Well, it's basically the Combries and Toltec Scenic uh, Railroad, and that is uh, Combries and Toltec dot org. Okay, we are the volunteer organization, so that's a dot org. If you wanted to ride the train, for example, and you want to look at the railroad itself, then you would be looking at combersandtoltech.com. Oh, all right then. Okay. okay. So we have uh, visitors uh, who come year-round to this area from all over America and all over the world. And so if they got onto your website and found out that if they were going to be in town for, for one of these meetings might they uh, at least stand in the doorway and say, Certainly. hi, what, you know, what, what are you guys absolutely, doing? Absolutely. Uh, the, the meetings are open to the entire membership. So the opportunity there uh, for $35 a year is to become a member and know about what's happening in the railroad. Uh, we put out a uh, quarterly publication called The Dispatch. Okay. It's what we would call an upper-class publication because it's all in color. Good. And it provides a summary of projects that we work on, which is almost about 80 to 100 projects a year. Okay. Uh, and we have talented people, but they range in all areas of expertise. And there's no specific expertise required because on the projects, we make sure we have a, a team leader who can direct people who want to work on the project with what the skills are necessary to do and, and how to perform. Terrific. Now, I'm going to ask you to do this in 25 words or less. It'll be impossible. But for folks that are interested or just have this inkling about the railroads, that there was a size or a spacing of the of the rails that most of, of America used but then when you get up here to the front range and into the mountains, it was actually a different rail. Right. Or, 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 or something. Yeah. You, you, you explain. I think what we say here is rail traditionally across the country is called standard gauge. Standard gauge. That's four foot, eight and a half inches in width. Okay. So if I was in Kansas and I went over to the rail yard, that's probably what I'd see. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Got well, it. In this part of the country, in the mountainous terrain, they used narrow gauge, 
and our narrow gauge width is three feet. Okay. So in some cases, there was in earlier years a combination of both narrow and standard gauge uh, running it simultaneously. So you could put a narrow gauge car using what we call the third rail, the center rail, mm -hmm. uh, to run down a track, as well as having standard gauge cars that would run on the standard four eight and a half. But now, wasn't that a, a bit expensive for the railroad to? They're they're laying track, and they actually put down three rails. Yes, it was, but it was a way to interchange to have. Uh, both narrow gauge and standard gauge running on a same direction, if you will, going to a location. Okay. For example, you're saving one rail in the process of doing that because you would have to rail run two rails for each size of track if you were doing them independently. Okay, terrific. Now, for the reason that, um, that I'm here and you're here uh, in Colorado Springs, is that you've got a pretty massive project going on. Most people, I think, if I said, oh, um, they're working on a Pullman sleeper car, that from every Wild West movie that they've seen, that's a, a Pullman sleeper. But that's not quite accurate here, is it? No, not in the early days of the frontier. Uh, when you traveled in this part of the country in the turn of the century, you brought a bedroll with you. There wasn't anything in specifics that you relied on in the car. Whatever you sat on or what you slept on was your bedroll, and you had to have that bedroll for the purposes of making sure... It's an old one, but gives you an idea. I appreciate it. Thank you. Making sure that uh, you had accommodations. So... As you see this car that we're working on, 470, it has all interior wood finish. In other words, wood seats, wood berths, and when you sit on it or you lay on it, you're laying on wood. And there's no mattress. So you had to throw your bedroll out to actually lay on the bedroll. So it's no harder than laying on the ground <laughs> that you did on a normal basis when you were out in this part of the country. You know, it's it's so interesting that, again, I've seen too many Western movies. And when they would show the Pullman cars, they were so well appointed. Did Pullman start their construction career by making such nice, elaborate cars? Uh, yes, but keep in mind, the railroad kind of came west in the earlier stages. Right. Transportation back east was very common on rail, and you had the plush interiors back east. Okay. But when you came out here to the bare bones in the west yeah. in those days, uh, there weren't any pluses anywhere, because uh, if you had a, a sleeping accommodation, uh, you were lucky to find a place that you could shower or bath, if you will, in those days, mm -hmm. once a week. This is Bernie J, and you're listening to Bernie's Journeys, Produced in Colorado Springs, Colorado, in view of America's Mountain, the 14,115-foot Pikes Peak. And I invite you to contact me at BernieSTV at gmail.com. That's B-E-R-N-I-E-S-T-V 
And please share comments and or suggestions on this show or ideas for future travel adventures that I can explore for you. Now, let's get back to the show. I think I remembered hearing about some uh, railroad stations. What it was, Fred Harvey would have his uh, uh, his um, uh, dining uh, building yes, or whatever, yes, and and, yes. and Harvey Girls. Yes. Did that come out west with the? Uh, yes, it did. Um, the Santa Santa Fe was one of those instigators of that program, and the Harvey houses were major attractions because you didn't have a, a diner that was carried on your train like you do today. Right. Uh, you came to a particular location, you got off, you went in and had dinner, and then you get back on the train and proceed. Okay. Now, there, there's an interesting uh, modification. Before we talk about the car itself, just getting the car, the uh, railroad, so it, it would have been the, the Denver Rio Grande that had that had wanted sleeper cars. That's correct. Now, where were these sleeper cars generally made? Or did they have factories all across America? No, no. Uh, Pullman, who manufactured these for the Denver Maria brand, is located back east. Back east. And okay. that's where they came from. Now, uh, the narrow gauge manufacturing was done in Detroit, Detroit, Michigan. Okay. And that's where these cars that we're talking about today, the 470, yeah. come from. Okay. The car that is being worked on right now, when it so it left Detroit. Yes. It left Detroit, but the track was standard gauge right it was the, it was a little bit it was the wider track exactly and, and what you're talking about here is a narrow gauge car now having to travel on a standard gauge track because the transcontinental line was all in standard gauge got it so at the factory they would put an odd looking truck underneath the narrow gauge car which makes the truck larger than the car almost so yeah and under subassembly exactly that it rode on got it and uh, that was a standard so the standard then would travel on the transcontinental to denver okay at denver the burnham shops which were the denver and rio grande's shops would take the trucks out from underneath the car resize them to narrow gauge using the axles that were shipped with the car from Pullman uh, to accommodate the three-foot gauge, remold uh, the casings on the wheels and set the wheels on the axles, and then in turn uh, size the truck to its proper dimension and send it out on what I refer to as third rail, which would be the narrow gauge element of the rail. So the Denver Rio Grande, they were doing business, making profit on narrow gauge track because it worked in the mountains. Right. But they said, hey, um, people are starting to come out here and we'd like to offer uh, a Pullman sleeper car. But yet it gets made in one configuration and then more money has to be spent to be able to get it to work on the narrow gauge. With, I guess that must have been economical or, or, or at least profitable, well, or, they, or, they, or they wouldn't have done it. Well, keep in mind that the entire railroad that General Palmer worked with was narrow gauge, everything. 
from one end of the state to the other end of the state was all narrow gauge. And so we're and we're talking primarily Colorado. Yes. Okay. Although, so so when their hub, which is Denver, and they went south, his original goal was to go to Mexico City. Okay. But in the disputes of going south, such as Raton Pass and a few other things, he was limited as to how much he could do. Okay. So at that time, the silver deposits were coming into being on the western slopes, so he decided to turn west, and they had what they call the San Juan Extension. And that's what traversed from Alamosa uh, to Antonito, and in Antonito west all the way to Durango, and then kind of northwest to Silverton. Okay, so the car that you're working on now is starting to look like a rail car again. Yes. But I think when you uh, discovered it, it was it looked a little less than uh, a railroad car? Or Well, it looked like a railroad car, but one that had gone through a number of years out in the weathered condition. Okay. Things were pretty poor. <laughs> and so was all of that transportation... I guess done by uh, by by truck to be able yes you know, yes to be able to get it to get it here right because the car was found a f- quite a few miles from here from Colorado Springs yes it was originally acquired by the uh, friends of the Cumbers and Toltec in the early nineties okay and was moved to the Chama uh, station area. New Mexico. Okay, so now that's that's in, that's about the four to five hours from here. Right. And Got put it. Put in storage there until we were able to accept it up here to begin restoration on it. And that was in 2009. And got put on a flatbed car again, and, exactly. and, and, and and brought up. And then we use a crane to move it off to the other side and put it in the position it's in today. Okay. So when this thing is all ready to go. It won't be so heavy that you can't move it again? No, no. It'll go up on a crane again. Yeah. Be put on a flatbed, taken down south to the railroad. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, the trucks will be put underneath it. Okay, because the trucks are down... Down there. Down there. Tell me a bit about the uh, about the folks that are uh, currently uh, thrown in with you here and, and working. Um, many of them railroad people? No, none of them are. None of them are. Uh, such as Tom just came in here a second ago. Yeah. He is a metal worker. Uh, Craig, who is a uh, radiologist, retired, is one of our premier uh, woodworkers. Okay. Uh, we have another radiologist uh, who is working with us as well, a pharmacist, an electrician, several other people associated with office personnel. So uh, it's a conglomerate of people. And uh, like I said earlier, you don't have to have any special skills. Just come down and join us, and we'll find things for you to do. Okay. Now, the interior of this uh, of this Pullman sleeper that you are reworking, what is the what is the wood of of choice, or is there a wood of choice? Well, it's the same wood in which was removed from the interior of the car, and what the interior finish was originally. Okay. And that's red oak. Red oak, and that actually sounds like a an expensive uh, material to me. Uh, I'm, I'm not a woodworker, so I don't know if you know. I, I think of white pine, but well, uh, it's certainly not the quality of wood that you would find at the local merchandise marts. 
that sell wood. Okay. okay. Uh, this stuff is pretty well uh, uh, not free, otherwise referred to as clear. Clear wood, okay. And then okay. it's also milled. It has a special milling on it, so not only the tongue and groove puts it together, but you have a, a uh, curve on the outside edge of it that makes the decoration appear that way. So now when all of this is put together, um, is it then... Uh, uh, varnished or stained or or something like that? Yes, we will use a, a water-based varnish. That will be the interior coating. So, remind me again, so how long has this project been going on? We started in 2009. In nine. Going to be needing about two to two and a half years uh, from now, presently, being at uh, November, mm-hmm. uh, that we would need to complete the car. Okay, so it sounds you know we're here on the, the first Saturday of the month, so lots of people are moving around and, and, and doing stuff, and that's all volunteer labor. It's all volunteer, though. And the quality of this wood that I'm seeing going in is just first class to me. And um, who's paying for all that? Believe it or not, the friends pay for it. The, okay, so we have. We have donations through the volunteer program that are made by companies to support our efforts. We also have a number of other donations that we solicit through other organizations to support our efforts. And of course, many of the members contribute to funds as well to help in supporting the program. So the thing of it is, is that for people that are traveling in this area on vacation, that if they're lucky enough that they are here during one of your uh, meeting times, that uh, they could uh, stand in the doorway and and be welcomed in and learn about what, what what about it what it is to be friends of the uh, of, of the railroad. Right. But then on the um, generally, so it's the third, it's the first, the third, and if there is a fifth. Saturday. That's correct. You meet down here. Yes. And uh, now, if somebody was just coming in, you know, kind of midweek, and um, yeah, I guess let me ask, where are we right now? We are with a uh, with the, at the streetcar museum, the trolley museum, the trolley museum, in Colorado Springs. Yes. Okay. So if folks came down in the middle of the week, you're not going to be here. But do the folks who run the trolley museum would yes, they, the, they would they the at least let, is, is open on a certain schedule, and right. that schedule should be checked because it does change. They normally would be here and can take you back and show you the car uh, if you happen to be here other than a work session. Okay. I'm just absolutely pleased to know that we can come into Denver, come down here to the Springs, we can see some real railroad work going on, and now we can head down toward on the way to the four corners and be able to go ride uh, a narrow gauge uh, rail. Yes, I think it's just absolutely fantastic. Right. Is there anything else that you might like to uh, share with me about what goes on? And well, I'd I'd like to encourage everyone, uh, whoever uh, happens to be listening. Uh, to look us up on the web because the uh, web tells basically the story of uh, what we are and why we exist. Got it. And also the, the important thing there is you can see 
uh, displayed the projects in which we will be working on throughout the summer. And that's one of the benefits, too. If you happen to be in the Chama area or Antonito area during uh, the period that we're doing a work session, by all means, stop by and see what we're doing. Now, I'm, I guess my memory is failing me that when I've been on the website, you've got those great uh, publicity shots from Pullman when the car was new. Are, are they on the, web, the website? Yes, um, I would encourage them if you want to see about this project itself, we have a blog site. I hope that you heard something that refreshed a past travel memory or sparked the desire to learn more. After all, that's what travel is all about. For Bernie's Journeys, Seeing America First, this is your host, Bernie E. Roshowski, and thanks for listening.